mistakes in life happens all the time and it's not about the mistake itself it's more about how do you deal with that mistake what learnings do you can you take from it and then you can make something better you know because you never know if you don't try you never know if you don't find out you know you'll never find out anything i think the worst thing to, to do is just to stay in one place and be comfortable Welcome back, everybody, to the Hansei Podcast. This is the show where we talk to people in the gaming industry to learn about how they got their start and the journey that they took to get to where they are now. Our guest for today is Shen. He's the lead designer for the esports team UIU, and they have a focus in fighting games. So as you probably have guessed, Shen is also a part of the fighting game community. We're going to be exploring his journey as a designer and how that comes into play with his other passion, gaming. If you're interested in both design and video games, then you're definitely going to want to stick around because he does a wonderful job at using the skills he learned from different areas of his life for whatever he's currently working on. And we'll also get into a time of his life where him and a team of friends started running grassroots fighting game events to become, at the time, one of the largest tournament organizers in the UK. And finally, we'll learn about his transition from becoming a pro Tekken player to the lead designer of UIU today. So this is a very story-driven episode. I want you guys to please sit back, relax, grab a drink, and enjoy. My elementary school or primary school, I had a lot of trouble speaking English at that time. Uh, my, my family are originally from Hong Kong. They spoke Cantonese. And from the age of five to seven, I struggled with English really, really hard. Um, what happened is that I had a private tutor that was helping me catch up with my English. And... What she's given me is a big A3 notepad or drawing pad, if you like, some coloring pens and crayons and stuff like that. And she said, whatever I want to say, if I can't say it in English, then she wanted me to draw it, you know, to try and communicate what I'm saying with pen and paper, right? And I remembered seeing two two kids playing football or soccer, which is what you Americans call it, I think. Um, I, I wanted to join these two these two kids to to play soccer or football, and I didn't really know how how to express that in English. So I remember running up to them to had my big pen and paper, and I remember drawing them too as well with the ball in the middle. Then I drew me in the middle. Then I just kind of pointed and went, oh you know trying to point out the picture to sort of say i want to play with you guys i want to play uh, football and soccer with you guys right and the teachers sort of saw that that i've been going around to other kids just drawing stuff and then that's how i started to connect with other children it's it was my way to make friends at the time and i remember drawing sonic the hedgehog a lot as well and i started selling um Sonic the hedgehog drawings when i was a kid you know i was actually making a killing and buying sweets with them and then i started giving sweets for the kids and that's how i got pretty popular in school you know um and i think that's when like my fascination of drawing and and um and art or being creative has become like a defining point of my life it's it's, it's become like a form of communication as a form of expression right and my teachers noticed this like all these other kids are very very academic very good at maths whether it be good at english or science i, I just i just did anything that was creative and i think that was uh you know that's what kept kind of led me to become like someone um that wanted to be a creative and i think throughout college uni i just studied uh either art or graphic design and transitioned into us i could go on with a life story but that is the main gist of it that is how it really started to the core root of my career i would say it's when i started when i was like just a little kid just wanting just to communicate with other people um and try and 
make friends with other people by my work. And yeah, as I said, it's, it's just a form of communication to me. And I, I became so fascinated of like expressing myself without having to speak for through through my work and through my art, I would say. So yeah, that's that's how it all came about, really. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, I know we spoke yeah. about this before when we had our when we had our conversation a few weeks back, but it, it seems like from a very young age you understood how to use um, I guess at that time it wasn't really design, but it was more like art or like creativity as a mm -hmm. communication tool. Yeah, correct. I was more into the digital side of things. And I remember doing a foundation course in university and everyone was just like, you know, we're fine artists on that course. And there was no one, not very many people were doing anything digital. And I remembered I used to question, why is that? Well, if no one's going to do that, I may as well look into it. So I started to learn um, some Photoshop. And to be honest with you, my Photoshop skills back then was, was kind of crude. So I just used whatever filter was available to me. And then I was like, Hey, that's art. That's brilliant. You know? So I like combined a lot of different filters and stuff like that at the time. I kind of locked myself in this, in this room, this PC room. And I think it was like Photoshop six at the time or wow. seven. Yeah. It was like probably about eight, 18, 19 years old. We're talking over God. I'm, I'm yeah. About 17, 18 years ago, mm -hmm. you know? That, that at that time that photoshop wasn't really that uh advanced at the time and i found like a book on photoshop like you know one of the, the big adobe books that, that you have you know you ever seen yeah. the, the big adobe manuals i remember just reading that i was just learning the, the core basics and then after that i just started doing all this all this like digital art um i remember showing it to my lecturer at the time and then he's like where did you do this where did how what, what no one's taught you this you know and I, like, oh, I, just, I just went upstairs just to you know just taking that pc room and, and they're like wow this is this is brilliant you know and at the time i thought it was brilliant but when i look back on it now it's obviously you know my work has evolved a lot since then but mm -hmm. i think back then it, it felt really revolutionary for me to like look into photoshop and expand out into uh, digital creativity but then when i did my uni course um uh, after that after i transitioned from the foundation course to a graphic design course um that's when i started to realize like i really wanted to do stuff uh, i wanted to learn more industry standard work um and i didn't really want to just do fantasy work do you get what i mean and yeah i remember taking you know some of my work to some agencies and showing them my you know, my self-initiated projects, they were not really interested in that at all because it wasn't a real representation of what a real life brief is or what a real life project is. And I had to learn that from scratch after university. And I remember getting that feedback from real agencies. And, you know, when I just, I just basically just went for, even though I had no chance of getting the job, I just really wanted that feedback um, on how do I improve my portfolio. And they gave me so many ideas on how to improve it, whether it be, you know, you need to put your, um, your logo and, and put it into mock-ups and make it look real rather than just the logo on its own, or you're going to do a t-shirt, don't have a template, you know, put it on an actual person, you mm -hmm. know, and things like that. And, um, I also learned like, you know, if you're going to create a, like a magazine or something, or you're going to do some editorial design, do it on an actual article or something. Don't, don't just do it on something that you made up, you know, it's, it's basically what you're doing is pretty much art. It isn't really yeah, designed. You got to show the, the real world applications of everything. It, that exactly. You're doing. Exactly. Um, and I, I remember that I've learned that the hard way, you know, after being, you know, sort of scrutinized in the interviews that I had. Um, and also I didn't really understand how to get my foot in the door within 
the creative industry didn't know who to talk to didn't know how to network at that time you know i did a few internships but it wasn't enough you know i need to make a living you know i was losing money every day because i was paying to travel every day to get that experience at one point because of how expensive it was to get this experience i almost dropped out of doing design believe it or not oh wow it wasn't sustainable um, because I wasn't getting that real life experience. I didn't get that real life experience from university. You know, I've been taught how to be creative, but wasn't really taught how to network, how to branch myself out, how to brand myself, um, work on real life case studies. And it, it was pretty much like a networking game. You know, it's like who you know. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know as well and trying to build contacts. I didn't really learn any of that at university. I had to learn that myself through experience. You were just basically like learning the tools and the concepts of design. And very much true to like how you are as a fighting game player. You literally went to the lab, right? And you lab things out. Uh, You started figuring out the tools, the concepts Mm -hmm, and how mm -hmm. to work it out. But then, you know, doing stuff in the lab, like in fighting games versus actually applying it in real matches, it's very different. Right. Oh, yeah, so for sure. That's that's sure. where the application part came in. I guess before we get into like how you got into the gaming industry, were you always a gamer growing up? Oh yeah, definitely. When when I was a when I was a kid, my mom and dad, they used to own a takeaway, right? And we used to live above the takeaway. Mm-hmm. And um my dad will always um sneak away from working in the takeaway to go play games with me upstairs, you know, with me <laughs> and my brother. So we'll always play like Mario Kart. We we played Mario Kart, Streets of Rage um donkey kong together and stuff like that it was it was pretty awesome and um even though like my dad and my brother um, you know they kind of grown out of video games but that that connection that i had with video games is, is still is still there in me you know that that connection that i had with my brother and my, and my dad it, they were very very special times you know and that's what really got me hooked into computer games and that's how it got me hooked into drawing sonic the hedgehog and shinobi and mario and stuff like that in school um they were really fun memories you know so like i i carried on that um that gaming interest and hobby and and i always wanted to try and combine the two somehow but never really had that opportunity when i was younger but you know pretty much i bought nearly every console whether it be super nintendo uh sega mega drive um and n64 sega saturn playstation mm-hmm. one oh, I, had, I had all of them you know, yeah. I, I spent a lot of my time playing computer games when i was younger Wow. So yeah, you were also like there because you had all those consoles, right? It was like the golden age of fighting games on consoles. Because uh, for me, I also like I grew up playing Sega Genesis. That was my first console, and I think one of the very first games I ever played uh, was actually Virtual Fighter Two. You know, right. yeah. And then you know there was Street Fighter Two, there was Mortal Kombat Two. It was kind of like the, yeah, the time yeah, of the, the sequels. Classics. Yeah. Um, and then after that, on the PlayStation era, that's when we started getting a bunch of other different games, right? That's like where the 3D fighters started to come out. Tekken, mm-hmm, Soul Blade, mm-hmm. uh, that later turned into Soul Calibur, all that stuff. So I'm assuming like you also got your experience like playing all of those games growing up too. Yeah, definitely. The exact same experiences, you know, playing playing games like Soul Blade and Tekken Three was probably like the the game that's kind of pretty much steered me into the fighting game uh, genre that really got me hooked. Oh my god, it, it, it was such a pioneer of a fighting game at that time, and I remembered everyone in school was was wanted to be good at it, you know. And it was like I had people coming around to my house, you know, just for like little mini teenage sessions, you know. We were 13, 14 years old at the time playing Tekken Three. Well, I don't think we were 
really learning frames or matchups back in the day. We just we just picked our characters and just kept pressing buttons and hope for the best. You know? but, <laughs> but they were all like yeah. they were all fun memories, I, I think. And I only became more aware of the uh, fighting game community from Street Fighter Four, Vanilla Street Fighter Four. That was when I realized there was a community in in the UK. Um, that there was something going on with it. I didn't realize there was any such thing. Uh, there was no online play back at, uh, back then. You know, people were playing online, and then people sending me messages. Oh, you should go. You know, you should go to uh, to this event. There's one happening in Manchester. You should go check it out. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Let's let's go check it out. Let's see how I fare. You know. And uh, I remember my first tournament. I got absolutely bodied. You know. I, I was like, Oh mm-hmm. wow. I, I'm I'm gonna train and make sure the second second time I come along. Uh, won't be as embarrassing and then I remembered I got through to groups on the second time I went there you know I was only a, a bog standard uh, Ryu player you know I wasn't really anything special it wasn't like I got to top 16 or top 8 or anything like that but it, it was like that first sense of achievement playing a video game and I thought oh wow I really want to get into this I really want to know more about this community I think they would consider you in the FGC like an all-niner because you came by during uh yeah, you know, Street yeah. Fighter 4 right so yeah. if, if you're in like an all-niner I think I'm like I'm like way younger I'm like a 20 call it like 2015s something like that oh wow really? yeah so <laughs> I like I I've, yeah. I've been playing fighting games like my whole life and yeah, yeah. I didn't really know about the FGC or like, I guess I knew about it, but I never really participated there. Um, the areas that I live didn't really have right. an FGC. Uh, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it wasn't until I moved to Vegas where I live right now. That's when I really found uh, FGC to participate in. Mm-hmm. And uh, my first game that I started playing competitively was actually Marvel Infinite. Right, so right. it started from Marvel Infinite, Dragon Ball Fighters, and you know now Tekken. So, um, but I've kind of always knew about it, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. I wasn't as uh, unfortunate as you were to like kind of experience it during, I guess, like the resurgence of fighting games during that time. Yeah, it was right? it was big big back then, and um, you know, I think I think that was when I really wanted to sort of tap into that area, you know, uh, understand it a bit more. And I remembered when I was I was like a competitor about i think two three years until that place where they did the, the events i think it was called gamer base back in the day it got closed down so we, the, there wasn't anywhere for anyone to gather up so there was wasn't really anyone taking the initiative to run community events and that's when i started to do it i thought you know what like i've got some skills uh, in design pretty new to the event management space but i had a friend i had i had a housemate at the time who ran some events at the you know ransom community events before so we partnered up and st- decided to work together and we uh, kind of done it off our own bats it was called um manchester battle arena at the time and we had to buy everything from scratch i kid you not like I'm, we're talking about leads cables um we had to find secondhand monitors you know try and get hold of as many consoles as possible we even had to borrow from the community themselves we had to fund it ourselves. You know, we had to think about tables and chairs and Wait, so the what about the location? Did y'all like rent out a location? Yeah, actually- we we basically we found a quite a few locations. So the first location was basically like um it was like a, a, a top of this warehouse. It was like a top floor warehouse type thing, but it's kind of it's kind of got this uh I don't know whether you've ever seen a show called Dragon's Den, but it looks like yeah, that, yeah. you know what I mean? it's like that but for a gaming event it's kind of it's pretty awesome really awesome venue well that venue got closed down and like i don't know there's something with the lease or something like the owner decided to sell it off 
And then we had to move everything that we bought, you know, whether it be tables, chairs, all that stuff. We had to move it to another venue. And this venue was actually a dance studio, believe it or not. And then basically we, we were pretty tight on money. You know, we're, we both, myself and Ying, uh, my working partner, you know, obviously we both have other jobs. We have bills to pay and stuff like that. So we don't really earn anything, you know, doing, doing this community stuff. But we did it for the love of the community. We really wanted Manchester to have some form of representation, some community representation. Once we moved everything, we had to really pool our money together and like, okay, let's try and find a venue that, that we can afford. And we found this like dance studio. And then we ran like a big, big event. Um, we ran event, an event called Warriors Return. And we were probably one of the first organizers to be officially sponsored by Bandai Namco. And they actually sent us a huge box of stuff because they seen our statistics for our first event, you know, under the Dragon's Den event. They saw, we, I sent them like a report. So like, this is, this is what we've done. This is like how we're branching out. And this, this is what I have a vision for. And then they saw what, what we were doing. They saw that we're not really making any money or anything. We're doing it for the love of the community. So they just gave us this big box of stuff, like wow, official so generous Tekken merchandise. It's like Tekken Tag two, two days at the time. And like, you know, they gave us like a big joystick uh, that no one had at the time. Um, I think it was a Mad Cats one. You know, like Mad Cats was all the rage back then, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, loads of T-shirts, like some cards, you know, like these uh, trading cards, mm -hmm. um, some free copies of the game. And they also had other Bandai Namco games in that box as well. It was it was, it was so many goodies. That I, I it was almost like uh, Christmas or something. It was, it was. But the thing is, like, I can't take any of that. I have to give it to the community, you know? Mm -hmm. So since then, our name really came out, you know, Manchester Battle Arena. We started running a lot of um, events. I think we ran our events like um, on a monthly basis because we found we found people take it for granted. They're like, oh, you know, oh, they'll, they'll run another one next week. We'll come later. You know, I don't have to do it this week. And before you know it, no one will turn up, um, and which is why we decided to do it monthly instead. So it gives us more time to do more promotion work. So it allows me to use my marketing skills, uh, my design skills, my attributes um, to make this event really work. And it gives us more time to plan and it made every event better than the previous. It just gave us more time to plan um, gave us more structure rather than just like doing a load of like four to five events in one month that are just pretty much repetitive and the same. We kind of tried to make every event better than the previous. We always learn from our previous events and how we can make it better for the next one. Mm -hmm. And by having that month gap, it gave us more, had uh, more breathing space, I suppose, more yeah. time for us to really plan and structure it out. And then also figure out what games we want to promote, what guests do we want to bring over, let other people know. And then we had people from London and Birmingham, Nottingham, and people from all over the UK, even Scotland uh, coming to our events. It's it completely crazy. You know, that's, that's how big Manchester Battle Arena got, you know? And then once, once like um, Bandai Namco noticed that, once they noticed like, um, uh, this is this was happening. Um, they decided to let us have uh, Tekken Seven baited retribution, and we were probably the second UK organization to have that. And we um, we had that uh, an event called Play Expo, and 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 I'll tell you what, we had probably a hundred, hundred to one hundred and fifty signups. I can't remember the exact number, but let's just say that there was a massive queue of of people wanting to play Tekken Seven at that time, and um, and we had loads of people from all over uk coming to that but that's probably one of our biggest events i would say um but since then like 
Manchester Battle Union has grown and we sort of expanded out and it, it became more than just me and Ying. It became a group of people that really pushed the brand out as much as possible. And it, it just grew into something big. And, and then at that time, I wanted to focus on becoming a player. So I decided to take a step down because I kind of, you know, felt like I've done everything I needed to. I just wanted to focus on the design things. I didn't want to do all the logistics side of things anymore. I think yeah. we've kind of done that now. And I really just want to focus on design and playing the game. Uh, that was like after Tekken 7 uh, was released. I think uh, pre-released. And yeah, so that, was the, that was the direction I wanted to go in. So during that time, were you able to utilize your design skills while you were coming up with these events? Um, or were you still trying to like, were you trying to find a full-time job while, while doing this? Or um, how, how did that really work out? Because I know right now we're kind of like in the story. We're trying to find the transition of you yeah. combining your love for, for gaming, specifically Tekken and design. So how did those two things kind of merge together during that time? Or how did they work together? Uh, well, I had a, a full-time job at the same time to support myself. Um, mm -hmm. Still needed to make money, right? Um, I, I combined, you know, event management with my design skills. Like I did all the promoting, you know, I did, I did my own branding of the, of the, um, of Manchester Battle Arena, did the branding, I did the t-shirts, did the website. And there was like a really personal projects that I really wanted to push forward. And, um, and the fact that Bandai Namco sort of noticed that, that I pushed this project forward. It was a very self-initiated project with my partner Ying at the time. Um, and that really combined my love of design and my love of fighting games in one place. I thought that was a great step. And um, it, it, it was a shame that I had to self-initiate it. You know, I didn't really have that opportunity to really do it, uh, you know, uh, show my design skills uh, for someone else. I had to self-initiate that. Um, I, I think it opened many doors for me, for sure. I was able to work on the vision that I wanted for... Uh, Manchester Battle Arena. Um, I, I was trusted to push the brand forward, anyways, and it, it just it just grew, it just grew and grew. Like I was, and I think I was one of the first scenes. We were one of the first scenes, to be honest with you, to kind of give free T-shirts away as well. Like we we to try and get people interested. We had some free T-shirts to give away at the event, and um, we also taken in orders if people wanted specific orders. Um, of having a name on, on the back of, of the t-shirt as well. So oh, we took those sick. orders. And, and then that was another way for us to fund the community. Um, and we did we did key rings as well. We did all sorts of weird merchandise just to try and get, you know, just try and entice people from, um, you know, from outside the fighting game community into our events as well. And I think that that's what sort of helps us. The, the marketing and the branding presence was really, really important. It wasn't just about running the event itself but you needed a presence online in order to get people to, to buy in. And we had to try and get the, the visuals of the identity, our event posters, our event graphics, our social graphics, our campaigns. We had to really, really, you know, be on the ball with it if we want to break even. Cause we're, cause myself and Yang, we were putting money into this, you know, we were doing it for the love of community. And if we don't break even, then we lose out, but we didn't really care about that. We just, cared more about just having a, an opportunity for a rep having a representation for the UK and um, to have to play fighting games but we were but at the same time we we needed um 
some form of income so we can fund it back into the community, fund it back into the events itself. Yeah. Um, otherwise, otherwise it wouldn't like be sustainable. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like a business, but a non-profitable business. Mm-hmm. It was a very, very difficult thing to do. I think that's why in the end, um, after doing it for two to three years, I think that was the reason why I stepped down because I, I just couldn't, I, I just didn't have the time anymore because I was moving up in my uh, my actual career, my real job. Um, I just didn't have the, the the focus. I didn't have that time to, you know, really do event management again. It was because it, it's, it's a very, very, I don't want to sound like, um, how can I say this, entitled or anything, but it can be a very thankless job, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, because tournament organizers, uh, well, players, they all they think about is going to the event, how to get to the event and their bracket, how well they're doing in their bracket. Tournament organized, they think about everything else. They think about the little things, whether it be, is this monitor, this is gonna, is this monitor gonna have lag? Do we have sound in this monitor? Do we have the electric plugs? Do we have the do we have the right chairs? You know, little things like that can get missed off so easily. And it can be a very, very stressful job, especially when you're running a major of some sort or regional major of some sort, right? It can be very, very stressful. Yeah. Um, and what's like the contingency plans, right? What happens if the power goes out? What happens exactly. if this or that? Uh, do we have backup plans? So exactly. And a if, lot and of if stuff. The, yeah. And if, if the power goes off or if something bad happens, it's, it's the, the event organizers that, that's going to get the blame for it. You know, they're going to get some form of feedback, say, oh, that you know, this thing goes so well. And we have to be on the ball to make sure that everything is supposed to run smoothly as it should. But if it doesn't, then it reflects it quite badly on us. So which is why we're, we're very, very detail orientated. And even the littlest things, like even say like an AUX cable or something or an AUX cable, uh, you know, for someone to you know, to plug in a speaker or plug in a headset or something that can be missed off and that can cause a lot of issues already or missing a HDMI cable, you know, but but the thing is other people don't think about that. The tournament organized, we have to think about every single little detail. You miss one thing. It could impact. It may have an impact on everything else. It can, Mm -hmm. and that's why it can be a very stressful and sometimes can be quite a thankless job because, um, if one thing, if something goes wrong, they'll, you know, people will remember you for it, which is why we have to be really, really, really on the ball when it comes to, um, you know, sorting out the, the organization of the event. Yeah, I think so. TOing is one thing and then managing and building up this community is another thing. And it's kind of yeah. like something that I see a lot of creators do is, you know, they have to take an audience, right? Um, Mm -hmm, And then mm -hmm. turn them into community members. And after that, then you have to really take care of them. I speak about this a lot where you got to really take care of the people that come here to support you. Um, So, you know, at times, yeah, it's going to be a thankless job, but I know that there are like, you know, um, you could probably think of them in your head during that time. It's like, oh yeah, these are the people that are going to be here no matter what, that are like really the true supporters of what we do. Um, what are like the biggest things that you've learned to kind of take care of this community and continuing to, um, I guess, like put out events or do things to really care and support for them? Uh, well, the, the way I kind of gone about it is, um, is continue to run events when I, when I can, when I can, um, I try to be fair with, with the games, you know, that come out. I don't want to just try and favor one game, but. The problem with the community Manchester Battle Arena was that 
a lot of our um, players um, seem to come for Tekken. And whenever we try to run an event for another game, um, it, it, it just doesn't seem to do very well. It doesn't seem to perform. Um, and that, that was a bit of a struggle. Um, mm. So to try and get people interested, we tried to run multiple games. Uh, but however, it, it just it just came back with um, very, very below average results. Uh, obviously, the venue needs to make money. We need to somehow pay. We have to pay for the venue, obviously. We have to help um, the venue reach targets. And some of the games just, just didn't perform. I won't say which ones. I don't want to, like, you know, badmouth yeah, yeah. some games, obviously. But it, it, it seems like Tekken and Street Fighter, those two games were very, very consistent with numbers and they always have big crowds uh, of players uh, wants to play but whenever we always have like people from other games say oh we want we want more support for these games can you you, you know run events for them and when we do it's really below average it, i mean uh, i remembered we we ran one game a new game came out um and it, only four or five people turned up and if you think about the amount of resource we had to you know, we had to do to prepare for an event like that. Like we had like probably about um, eight, eight monitors. Uh, we had a projector and stuff like that. And then none of, a lot of it didn't really get used because we didn't have the numbers to, you know, uh, to reflect that. And unfortunately, you know, uh, we, we tried our best to try and support uh, everyone, but sometimes you got to make that sacrifice and, um, and just, just got to go with, I know this sounds, uh, not, I don't know. I don't know whether it's the right thing to say, but it, it sounds pretty numbers orientated. But you, we had to drop some games, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. You know, to to um, cater with the majority. Um, as much as we wanted to try and support other games, they they weren't performing, and it, it just it just wasn't uh, good for for our time. Yeah. So yeah, I don't. So I don't think it's a bad thing at all, actually, because you know, while while some people may understandably be upset, but at the end of the day, there are things that need to be done in order to keep this thing up, right? In order to keep yeah, the event exactly. going. And mm. so, if if you're not dropping these games that aren't profitable, you know, and and it's not like you're trying to pocket this money, but it's not profitable to the yeah. the event organization. Um, then, then it's going to be to the detriment of like the greater uh, community, right? Or like the majority of the community. So it's a tough mm -hmm. decision to make, but very necessary to make sure that you keep the, the, you, you know, at the moment, at that time, the, the majority of the FGC alive and well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and if, because, because we had a backlog of so many different games, let's say like we run uh, game one, game two, game three, and then we have Tekken, and then we have to run all these other games. You know, I mean, they, they have to wait a long time till it's their turn for their game. And then we can see numbers dropping because they they don't what they don't care about the other games. They want the main game. Um, and we really had to think about think long and hard about that. Do we really want to keep numbers consistent, or do we really want to try and support everyone else? But in in terms of that, uh, we may have to sacrifice resource. You know, we may have to spend more time promoting these other games, try to promote these other games. Um, but is it worth it? You know what I mean? Because like, if you think about it, right? To toing is is as you said, and as you put it perfectly, it's almost like a job. You know, it's almost like running a business, right? Um, we it, it means people take time out of their day. 
you know, to run these events and and events they can they can last up to, you know, uh, it really depends how big the event is, but they can last up to about seven hours, you know, uh, for one event uh, for a big event it could be minimum seven hours depending on the attendance and stuff like that. And yeah. that's taken that's a, like that's the full day's work, you know. And if we're doing it on a weekend. We work Monday to Friday, nine till five. Uh, and then on a Saturday or Sunday, you're running events for seven hours. That's that's pretty much your weekend gone. Um, and I think that's what people seem to not appreciate. They don't really understand that TOing is is a it's a, a sacrificing role. You know, people sacrificing their time to give the community something. Um, you know, for their games, and you know they're sacrificing their time to give you the opportunity to to play the games that you love. And I think it's so easy to criticize COs and say like, oh, why can't this be more regular? Why are you not running this game? Why are you not doing? Why can you not do it this way? And um, but you you, you got to think like the, the pressure of a TO having to try and support everyone it can be quite immense. And sometimes we have to make you know some of these sacrifices in order to keep it sustainable. Mm. Yeah. And uh, probably from, from this point, um, all of the work that you did, you said it was like two to three years, probably taught you yeah. a lot. Um, cause when we were talking about design in, in general, like you mm-hmm. understood how to think about design from a business standpoint, you know, how Correct. to apply yeah. it. Right. And so yeah. this has helped you land a lot of different, uh, jobs within, within esports or gaming for, for design work, because at that time you understood like, okay, cool. Um, design is one thing, right? Cause in design and art, we kind of separated already and design has to solve a problem. And so because you've understand right. yeah. what the business problems might be, um, or at least you could think from a business perspective, it's actually helped you out a lot in, in your career. It did. It actually gave me a lot more skills as a, as a designer, you know, I, it actually helped me with my business acumen as well, uh, being a TO, um, and to combine them both, I've, I felt, I felt I've learned a lot to somehow combine both my, my creativity, but also at the same time, learning how to, um, you know, learning how to run a business, a non-profitable business, may I add, um, and to try and keep it sustainable and, you know, event management and, um, partner working with partners, working with sponsors. I've, I've learned so much from it all, and it just became um, I became fascinated by the fact that you know you don't. Ha- it's not all about just being really good at the game, or it's not all about just producing one single piece of design work. There's there's a lot there's a lot of things um, that you you could be thinking about in order to put your foot in the door uh, within esports. And uh, I found like I was a I was a person that wore quite many hats. Um, and I really wanted to leverage everything that I've learned um, and try and establish myself as whether a designer or, uh, um, you know, a content creator. I, d- I didn't know what path I wanted to go into, but um, this when I actually quit uh, Manchester Battle Arena after three years, I think, and I let uh, a bunch of guys run it now. Um, I don't know how how well they're doing at the moment, but all I know all I know is like the pandemic's actually affected a lot of things. But they they ran some amazing events. But anyways, I I decided to quit that and uh, focus on my own content. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually got sponsored by a team called Rise Gaming. Uh, so I was a professional player for Tekken, um, probably probably for about half a year I would say. So I had a bit of experience playing Tekken uh, in the UK, which was quite good. Um, but I didn't feel it was for me. I I didn't feel like 
this was the path I wanted to go because I always, once I was sponsored, I seemed to be much more harder on myself, a lot harder uh, than I was as a TO. And I think because being a professional player, it's a lot of, a lot of it is based on your performance than your content, right? It's like, it's, it's very driven by how well you do in tournaments. Um, and I didn't, I, I just didn't have that drive to keep pushing myself to be, the best Tekken player because I know that's it's that that's that, that is a long hard road for me to to walk on because you know I'm a person that's got a full time job you know I had a, a girlfriend at the time um, I had a lot a lot going for me outside of gaming but if I really wanted to focus on Tekken then I had to devote a lot of time to it which is something I didn't have I you know mm. I didn't have that time um, and then after that I, I I quit I quit being a pro player. Um, because purely because I, I didn't think it was the right path for me personally. Uh, and I just kind of decided to branch out and, and create my own brand. And this is where I decided to take what I've learned, you know, whether it be through playing a lot of these professional players in the UK and going to tournaments and stuff like that. I decided to um, run a stream and I normally don't do streams for myself. I normally help people stream you know through events and stuff like that and to sort of do a stream for myself and just like hey guys i'm running a stream if you guys want a first to ten you get a free header if you beat me you know you get a free free banner i may throw in a t-shirt as well you know so i was trying to get people to come to my stream and i was like i'm like oh you know what you know i've got some i may not be uh it may not be massive prize money but i can give them something something that they can smile about you know like a, a header that says i defeated chen in the first of 10 you know and i kind of like create, create this sort of humorous uh uh first of 10 series uh you know uh, under the name of shen i was like this like tekken villain i would say i was like the heel and you know like the heel in wrestling or yeah. something like that you know uh -huh. i kind of got, got that persona going i kind of created this persona like oh you can't be in first of 10 you're a scrub you know that kind of thing i was just trying to build this humorous um this humorous brand and i think a lot of people kind of bought into it you know they actually because they know i'm not like that they but they but they love the fact that it's like you know it's a bit of smart talking and the fact that i'm i'm playing some top level players in these first attempts and it was kind of good to like it, it brought great viewership to my content and at the same time i was thought oh you know what i'm gonna make a big poster out of it i'm gonna make a really good social graphic and make it look like a like a big thing you know like how you know like how youtubers versus tiktokers with this whole boxing thing going on i kind of wanted to do the same thing for my own for my own brand you know like have oh two great amazing second players going head to head prides on the line let's go you know and yeah. i was like huge exhibition these... match with like state. yeah yeah it was all like it was all in good fun it was all in good fun there was no money like no money involved or anything like that well anybody that's beating me they have this like really funny um you know they had two headers basically i gave them two like twitter headers so one one twitter header is basically like me upset saying uh, and it says like i beat shen in the first of 10 with the score at the bottom as well um and then i gave them another header which is basically like a um, you know a character of their choice um with their name on it and stuff like that it's just something nice and simple you know something to give away um and, and, and a lot of people just did, did, like oh i really want to give this a shot and even if they didn't win they learned something and um and it was it was good it was it was more exposure for them as well you know the fact that they're um, you know, they're coming onto my stream and some, some people who are very afraid of, you know, coming on camera and, and 
streaming up their own. I have players that don't stream at all that came into my, uh, you know, that came into my channel and decided to uh, have a first attempt with me. And I, I, I had a massive list of people and I was going through that list. And even though it didn't really matter what level, I just wanted, you know, I just wanted people to have fun. I want people to just come, come into the first of 10, have a bit, have a bit of banter, have a bit of fun. And I think everyone kind of like, you know, every time someone comes, comes into my stream, I always get booed or people are cheering against me on my stream, but that was the fun of it. You know, they're like, Oh, kill this, kill this club. Come on. And they're all cheering for the other person. It was quite funny actually. But then I know like, but then when they when the stream finishes, they're like, "Oh, yes, that was an amazing stream. That was so funny, you know. Like, you know, I, I really like what you're doing here. It's, it's kind of different." And that, that's when UIU spotted it. Really, you know, they spotted me doing these crazy like um, graphics and stuff like that. You know, like like proper head to head graphics. You know, like oh, one on one Shen versus Legendary Mihawk or something like that. You know, and I'm playing against some of the best players and. It was, it was also an opportunity for me to learn as well. And I yeah. think that's when UIU spotted it, really. Wait, before we get yeah. to the UIU spot, I, I just yeah. I just want to like know at how great of a case study your stream was for content creators. Because usually if a person who wants to stream fighting games, right, um, mm -hmm. the first thing that a person would think about is they would just turn on the stream and then play the game, right? They would either yeah, yeah. stream them labbing the game or maybe mm -hmm. grinding ranked, something like that. Um, mm -hmm. But what you did was you took your experience of running events and turned your stream into an event, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right more yeah. like value to the community than just you playing the game. And mm -hmm. you put stuff up there as like prizes and there were stakes. And then what right now everybody's realizing on, on you were kind of a little bit ahead of your time is that collaboration is huge. And that's what you did too. You know, you gave people a platform and you collaborated in a way where you are, were actually playing against like top level players. So you brought a lot of um, attention from all these different people's communities and you brought them together to kind of like cross pollinate and to discover other uh, fighters that they might not have ever known about before, you know? And so you really gave, gave a great place for people to have fun, both in, both in terms of like the participants and the audience too. So exactly. what you did was like really, really great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was awesome. Cause like there's some players I've never heard of and they, and I think one of them, um, one player was called Prince of whatever. Not, no one really um, heard of him at the time, you know, but he's a, he's a, he's a friend of mine. And then he did this like amazing wall-to-wall -wall combo on me on the very first round, right? And someone uh -huh. clipped it and like, it, it became like a meme type thing. Like, oh my God, you know, like, uh, you know, Shen just got wall-to-wall, -wall, you know, even though he lost, but he's got that clip forever to keep from that stream, you know? And then that, that became his, even though like he didn't win, but that became his defining moment, you know, that the fact that he was played, he played my character. And he did a better wall combo than me, you know? And uh, yeah, the, the little magic moments like that. And, um, you know, I was always, I always bring in like some top level players so people can watch me play against, you know, the, these seasoned players, you know, whether it be like Wu Kang, you know, uh, from District G, um, uh, what do you call it? Arsene Benger, who's also one of the UK's top Miguel players as well. Um, and a lot of the German players as well. They're like top, top, top level players. And, um, I only win a few, only win a few, but it, it was good content at the same time. It wasn't just, it wasn't just like the, the matches itself, but it was good content that people get to watch some high level Tekken 
um and also people get to participate in it there's none of that snobbery there's none of that like oh you're not you're not at this rank therefore you can't enter it's none of that in my stream um i welcome anyone it doesn't matter whether you're an initiate rank or a beginner rank you know i play anyone and the fact is people were um registering their names to play in these first attempts um was quite humbling to me to the fact that people really want to be part of it and uh obviously i do get the occasional uh, comment on stream like oh why are you playing these scrubs you should be playing me I'm, I'm better than these players you know you obviously have a few people like that but you know at the end of the day what this i'm not doing it for them i'm doing it for the wider community i'm doing yeah it you understood who your audience was yeah and, exactly and what they value right so you want a wholesome like community of people who just wants to play for fun kind of like following storylines too in a way you yeah, know you're kind exactly, of hyping up exactly. like the different storylines and yeah, yeah um you know exactly who you were for and that's mm. that's amazing and so you yeah. said UIU after after a while like you know caught wind of what you were doing and they mm -hmm, spotted mm -hmm. you so how how did that escalate into you working with well you working with UIU <laughs> uh well it was, it was kind of funny really because um I, I had a message from from Ginny um asking uh, for the people who be... don't know uh, who Jenny is can you uh, explain yeah yeah oh Jenny is basically the CEO of uh, UIU uh, aka the FGC mom you know so she's a she's a really really strong business business lady she really knows her stuff to be honest with you like and it, and it was good it, it was really um I was quite shocked I was kind of starstruck at the time I don't normally get starstruck but I was kind of starstruck when she messaged me and asked me like, Hey, you know, um, I'm Ginny from UIU. Uh, I've seen some of your great content. Are you interested in becoming a contractor? You know, would you like to do some work for UIU? And I was like, Hmm. Okay. I was like, wow. Okay. That's, that's kind of cool. And then at the same time, another organization, another big one, um, messaged me as well at the same time, asking me, did I want to become part of their team as their designer? Uh, and I was like, where is this attention coming from? You know, I didn't think I would get this sort of attention. You know, like I always thought like, oh, if you want to be part of UIU, you have to be an elite player and be the best of the best. And I thought they already had a really good, you know, like structured design team. So I, I didn't think I had a chance. So I didn't really send a message or anything like that to them or even bothered. I just kind of thought, oh, I'll just do my own content. And then all of a sudden to get recognition from two big FGC brands, um, asking me uh, to work for them as a designer was was incredible, and um, and I, it was straight away I knew I wanted to really challenge myself to be part of UIU as a as a uh, designer um, because they were already a very established brand. I wonder if I can push myself to see, you know what you know what I can do for them. Um, and then I think after having a, a, a great chat with Ginny, like our business goals were, were aligned, and the the thing is that. She really liked the the content that I did. The fact that I was all about togetherness. It was all about bringing people together. There was none of this sort of elitism or anything like that. I was more than just an average second player. I was someone that had uh, uh, design skills. I had a bit of TL skills as well. Um, and uh, they really saw value in that. They saw like I had a I'm someone that wore many hats and I could bring some of that experience into UIU. Um, and that's how I sort of brought my UX experience into UIU as well, understanding the audiences, demographics, users. Um, and I started to bring that sort of mindset into UIU, especially with the design team. Um, and I, I think it's incredible that like, on that journey from just 
being this heel, this sort of villain on Tekken, um, you know, running a stream now into like a lead designer for UIU. I felt it was, it was quite the journey to get there, but it was definitely worth it. And, uh, you know, it's definitely something I don't regret. And I'll do it all over again if I could, you know. Like that. And the fact that, um, you know, when I've been offered a role in UIU, it, it felt like I won the lottery, you know. Like, you know, people may want want that Evo trophy or combo breaker trophy or whatever but for me to get that offer to be part of UIU as a designer that was like my Evo moment does that make sense that was like yeah. my big crowd moment so so I was there like just like stood in front of a mirror you know like going, yeah, imagining that there was a big crowd cheering my name as a uh, chandelier designer but anyways let's not go into that <laughs> <laughs> no yeah please like like I mean own it up right like you you did a lot of work to get to where you are and there yeah. there is a reason why you're there so you know like big props to you major props um thank you and and it must feel so good too because you were able to now like get recognized for both the design work your love for video games and understanding of of content you know yes, so those correct. three things yeah. and and um, the fact that someone as big as UIU decided to pick you up and and value your your skills, your knowledge, it's it's a big deal. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And uh, I think I think I started to learn what my value is now. It wasn't about building my own brand. I think it was more about helping people, you know. And I think um, working in UIU allowed me the opportunity to create work. Uh, for for pro players, whether it be Low High, John Ding, uh, Marine, um, uh, Fergus, Spag, you know, work with these people. Uh, it, was, it was it was my way to network with, um, you know, people that I don't normally interact with. You know, these are people I sort of like look up to and think, oh yeah, you know, these amazing players. You know, I don't think they will ever put their sights on me. No way. But to sort of have that interaction where they're coming to me for you know, for, um, for design work and to help them promote their event. It's quite humbling, you know, it's like, oh, wow, mm -hmm. this is, this is a great opportunity for me to work with Lohai, for instance, you know, like, I mean, Lohai, you know, never really interacted until, until now, since I've been part of UIU, been helping him work, uh, work on his brand and work on his um, events as well. Uh, same with like John Ding. And then like all of a sudden through, through working with John Ding, we now started having jokes about fitness it's it's incredible and I, I and I think that's what I, I thrive on I thrive on the fact that I'm able to connect and uh, help people with uh, with what they need and and I think I, I get quite um, um, a, set, a, a bit of a buzz of helping people with um, you know with their events or with their content as well so yeah um, I, I, I think that's why that's what I love about what I do is, is um, helping them uh, elevate their content not just my own if that makes from the, sense from the start you were always like that person to communicate that understood how to communicate with your peers and help them out you know from from as a child like you communicating with your drawings and then you know kind of selling them for like candy and <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, they, it was still valuable to the other person going to mm. um creating you know events right you understood who, you know, I guess like in UI, I mean, UX speak, like who the users were, right? Yeah, and you understood yeah. how to provide the value and how to make it fun for them all the way to your stream. And then now UIU with the players themselves, it was always about communicating um, what, you know, communicating to the people and, and helping them like 
in any way that you can, whether it's entertainment, whether it's a platform, uh, whether it's a tournament for people to to enjoy themselves in and and practice. Um, that's kind of like been the very consistent story of your life, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm really, uh, yeah, definitely humbled by it, and um, it's it's actually helped me uh, put my name out there. Um, you know, uh, there, there there wasn't really much for me to um, put my name out there apart from my my you know my Shen streams, I suppose. But the fact that I was I, I, because I've started working for UIU. Um, you know, working on the brand and uh, helping these other content creators um, with their content. Uh, it, my my own content had to take a sacrifice because uh, unfortunately I, I don't have as much time because I'm helping all these other people to roll out their content. And I, I'm okay with that because um, because that's my content now. My content is my design work. And I've kind of got to that point where, you know what, I, I don't, you know, uh, even though I, I enjoyed the Shen streams, I absolutely loved playing Tekken and stuff like that. Um, but I, I, I feel this sense of pride um, of creating, um, you know, design work for uh, these content creators, these pro players, um, because that, that's my identity. You know, that's, that's how I'm unique in the FGC. I, I may not be uh, a top UK player or I'm not on the same level as a Korean player in Tekken, but I know that I'm, I'm recognized for this individual skill of mine, which is basically design. And, uh, and I just really wanted to hone in on that. And I decided just to make this become my, my focus. So I decided just to stop with the stream and just help people in UIU with their content. And, uh, and I, I find, um, you know, a great experience in that. And I, I feel really fulfilled when I create amazing work. Uh, it helps me build up my portfolio. Um, it also helps me uh, stay creative because, uh, you know, I, I work with Booking.com. I work in UX. Sometimes I might I want to work on something that is game related, not not just business related. And the mm -hmm. fact that I've got that balance of the two, I found that perfect balance. Um, and yeah, I, I just uh, it feels good. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Very it nice. Yeah. Can you speak a little mm -hmm. bit about your process and like how you help the creators um, with? Uh, you know their brands with yeah, the, yeah. Um, aesthetics, all of that stuff. So I, I you could start wherever you want to start because I know that's a it's a big project. You know. Oh yeah, of course, of course. Um, well, I'm gonna take. Um, let me try and think of one project. Okay, let's say, uh, legendary Mihawk. He launched an event, a quite a big event for UIU called Unleashed. It was basically a five v five Tekken tournament basically. And it became quite, quite, quite big because um, every nation wants to be part of this unleashed brand from UIU. Uh, so Legend Mihawk became, uh, had this idea at first. He wanted to run like, uh, you know, country versus country event specifically from UIU. And he came to me and asked uh, and said to me, I want, I want to create something. Um, but I need your help. I'm not really a creative member. I'm not, a, you know, a, I can come up with ideas, but I don't know how to execute them. I may need help with a name and stuff like that. But what do you think? You know, do, is this something you would be interested in? And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll help you out. Um, so what we do is like, um, we let we let the leadership team know, like, okay, Legend Mihawk has this idea. Um, so they assign me to it. They assign me to work with Legend Mihawk and I work with him individually. And I like that sort of interaction. I don't want it just to be, okay, they give they, they sign a request form 
uh, what event they're going to do. And they're just going to send me a bunch of um, a bunch of requirements. I don't really like working that way. I like to sort of get to know my, uh, as I say, uh, fellow content creator, user or customer, if you like. So I like to treat them as a customer. Yeah. You know? so it's a collaborative to, process. Yeah, exactly. You know, to get the best out of it, you, you know, you want to work collaborative, collaboratively, right? So me and Mihawk, we were just like having a having a bit of a talk, like, oh, what what is it that you want want to want to do? What is it you want to gain out of it? Oh, I want to bring more exposure to the European scene. We don't really have that uh, many events going on, especially with COVID. I think this team, this uh, EU V five or three V three thing will will uh, help us gain more traffic to our Twitch channel. And I was like, you know what? That's a good case study we've got here. And it's like, but with but we will need a name. Have you thought about a name? And he was like, I haven't really come up with one um what do you think we should do and i was like mm, okay so we just like we we're just like working together just writing down a load of words that came into our heads um and uh, we we're just trying to like oh let's let's use you or something because i think uiu had some events in the past they had uiu fc uiu ultimate and then we uh, thought okay okay let's let's use something with you in it so we started coming up with every u word that we can come up with and then we thought uiu unleash unleashed but and then we we're like that sounds pretty cool and then he was like what do you think of the, what do you think of the word unleashed and he was like i like it i was like yeah we're gonna unleash something really sick with this you know what i mean mm-hmm. so like we started using the word unleashed and um, we've used it as like a pun we're going to unleash this announcement and stuff like that we're going to unleash all these amazing players it became the uh, like a, a um a sub brand of uiu and it became like a branding project of mine um so it worked closely with miho so i came up with with some concepts with uh, to me always say what do you think and then he was like wow let's uh let's show this uh, to the leadership team. I was like, okay, let's do that. So we showed it to the leadership team, pitched it to them and said, look, there's something we want to do. Uh, we really want to gain more traffic into the UIU channel and we don't have any events going on. We feel this is a, a great platform to do so. What do, what do you think? And then they're like, give it a try. Okay, let's test and learn this. Let's just take, let's take it in. Let's take this one event and see how well it does. And I think within the first event, we had over something like 300, 400 viewers on the, on the first event. We had, um, I think, what was it? I think it was UK, uh, was it UK versus versus France? I think. I think it was UK versus France as the first event, or was it Germany? I can't remember which one, but there was a lot of viewers and a lot of people uh, submitted requests that they want to be part of this thing. So I treated it almost like it was my Shen project at the time, you know, like how I did the same thing with, with the Shen project uh, with my own stream, but we kind of, done it for but i did the same thing for mihawk giving it that same treatment that same level of care and at the same time it was great for his content he was able to start start doing commentating and he's got this amazing case study that he can have in his um esport resume you know so it was, it was a great process you know and, uh, and the fact that me and mihawk myself and mihawk became quite close from it as well we you know we gained a friendship from it this level of respect that you know i respect him as an amazing a player from Germany, he respects me as a designer that was able to help him with his vision. You know, I wouldn't say I fully created it, but I helped him with it. You know, I don't. Yeah, I don't you were the guide. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I I helped him reach his vision, and I helped him guide him to it, and that's all it was. You know, he came with the idea, I helped him with it, and I think that is like one of a a, a really good success stories um, that we have in UIU is that it was a self initiated project that turned into something big. 
Um, and we're going to be running uh, an Unleashed, uh, another Unleashed tournament at some point. So keep your eye out on that one. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so yeah. before before uh, I know the hour is, is about to hit, but yeah. before that, I was um, I was curious because you you understand how to yeah I mean you just you just have a very great understanding of design, and for mm. a lot of creators, uh, you know they may not be classically trained or they may not know how okay. to look this up. So I encountered a lot of um, you know like streamers. Let's just use them as an example, right? And I sometimes right. I'm scrolling through. Um, what are what do you feel like are some of the biggest um, mistakes that streamers do when it comes to their visual identity and what can they do in order to you know help make that better because sometimes you go to a streamer's thing and it's like a little bit all over the place right yeah i think it's understanding what's unique about you uh, what is it that you um want to specialize in and understanding your own your u- unique quirk I, I suppose like i think my quirk was um you know was design event promotion and um, being this this villain of Tekken, I think I I just sold on that. You know, I just that 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 was the thing I hold it into. Um, I think most content creators just feel like they just post amazing gameplay and hope for the best. But I think that's not the way to go about it. Um, like Cuddlecore, for instance, for instance, which you had an an interview uh, not so long ago. Her the the thing the thing that's great about her is it's not only just her skill level, but it's what she stands for as well and i think people really resonate with what she's saying she has a message out there and and it's, it's understanding what is your message what is your quirk what is your what makes you an individual what makes you different from everyone else and then i think that's something you should hone into um and it's, it's really easy just to sort of commission someone um and get like a mascot logo and you know you type an esport logo uh, in in Google, you you'll spot like every logo is a mascot logo. Every everything looks very similar and pretty much the same. And it's very hard to differentiate what's unique about these particular esport brands. So, I would I would definitely try and work out what what is your niche, what is your individuality, um, what makes you different. Um, and you know, don't just think about the game that you're playing. It's like you know what what you know use this game as a platform to sort of um, you know to channel your individual expressiveness into it. I think, I think that's what people should, should learn. Um, but as I said, I, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I, I, I found something, which is basically, I found a space, which I thought was unique. Um, and I think that's, that's what people need to tune into is, is find something unique about themselves above anything else. Mm. And one last question for from like the advice. And I noticed that you're also really good at like learning. So do you, do you have any advice for people who want to like get better at learning, like learning how to learn? Yeah, um, I, I would say definitely, um, this is probably a cliche, you probably hear this all the time, um, but don't be afraid to fail. Um, it, is, it, is, it is a cliche, but I think it's, if, if you never take that initial step, then, you know, uh, it's, it's so easy. I think, I think people need to learn that mistakes in life happens all the time and it's not about the mistake itself it's more about how do you deal with that mistake how do you what what learnings do you can you take from it and then you can make something better out of it um i think a lot of people think about the the goal uh, and the destination um 
above the the journey i think you should try to enjoy the journey you know you you know you may take you 99 steps to get to where you need to be or where you want to be but at the end of the day you will learn something along the way you know you may have some trips and falls you may take a different turn in you may take a different um different routes but the 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 goal is still there you know there's you know the destination isn't changing but your path and your route will change and mistakes will happen you know i've I've made some mistakes um uh, but i definitely learned from them and I, i learned how to deal with mistakes a lot better and i think people need to take a a test and learn approach you know because you never know if you don't try you never know if you don't find out you know you will never find out anything i think the worst thing to to do is just to stay in one place and be comfortable you know be in the be in the safe zone and and I'm, i'll be really honest with you i was i was pretty much the same thing i was like just happy being in my bubble being in the safe zone um, if i didn't really put my foot out there and really try to experience um more whether in the world of design or gaming then i wouldn't have learned what i've learned now um so yeah i just say just don't be afraid to um make mistakes because m- mistakes happens in life you know and uh, you'll never learn anything you'll never really fully enjoy what life has to offer if you if you just stay in, in one place that's my biggest advice yeah wow that's amazing uh, and i you know <laughs> I, I really i really like feel that too because it's my like world view now it's it's my very strong held strongly held belief that nothing nothing in life is perfect there's like almost there's no such thing as perfect unless you yeah. unless you know get the seven golden letters in tekken right that's the only time yeah. something is perfect yeah but other than yeah. that like you are always going to improve there's always something to get better at and, and yeah exactly. is one of the best ways to do it I think um one of the biggest things I've learned is uh, making small wins for yourself earn some you know but as i said the the destination thing is the big thing right you know the 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 end goal but having the little micro the micro small wins to get there i think is a great thing to have you know um let's just say a branding project right as as a perfect example oh my god i gotta think about the logo gotta think about all the shapes uh oh my god i gotta do a brand guideline i gotta do all the the stationary graphics the website and all this stuff you know there's there's so much to think about right but if you break it down into little smaller goals, you, you're actually making a start on something. It's, it's actually getting started. And then that way you can get to that finish line a lot easier. You know, if you make a task into a set of micro goals, it makes the task more digestible, much easier. I guarantee you, you, you will get to the end of it. And I think that's how I sort of applied that, that mindset in life as well, not just in my design work. Uh, so for example, like moving, moving away, you know, thinking about, packing hiring a van out paying the remaining bills there's a lot to think about to be honest with you i can list it off very overwhelming yeah yeah it's very overwhelming and you know and it's so easy just to let it fall on top of you the way i sort of handle it is i i kind of like write every little task on a sticky note and have it on the wall so whether it be pay off the remaining electric bill pay off the water bill call new internet provider and these are all very small little tasks right and I probably had probably about 30 to 40 of them. But seeing post-it coming off the wall one by one, it's making me feel like I'm getting closer to, to the end. And it just made me feel like the goal is, is not that far off now. It's, it's actually is achievable. It's, it's not as overwhelming as I think. If I get these little things out the way, then it's not as overwhelming, you know? And I think it's getting started. 
is the is is the hardest thing. It's like going to the gym, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thinking about oh, I'm going to be surrounded by these, um, uh, you know, by people that are a lot bigger than me. Um, I'm I'm going to be around seasoned pros and stuff like that. But what? But to be honest with you, they're not going to care. They don't care as long as you start. Everyone's got to start somewhere, right? Very and the same true. with and the same with gaming, right? You know, like, uh, you know, you want to be good at a game, but are you ever going to be good if you don't play better players? Do you know what I mean? Are you are you are you just going to stay in your bubble and just play against the training dummy or play against the CPU? No, you're not. You're going to go into that. You're going to go into the mindset the mindset of I'm going to go go in and, and learn as much as I can, and that's the way we should apply life. If people have that mindset from FGC games, like I'm going to play the pros, I'm going to learn something from this matchup. If they do that with their life, I guarantee you that they will they will be a lot more successful than where they are to the people that are struggling. So and I, I kind of applied that mindset into, into the way I do things like, oh, you know, oh, bloody hell, this brand guideline is a matchup. I'm going to learn this matchup, you know, and I'm going <laughs> right. to, I'm going to break it down. I'm going to learn my frames, you know, but and I kind of had that sort of mindset with all the tasks I'm doing, and it really does help. And hopefully that helps someone. If it doesn't, then fine. You know, I mean, maybe I'm chatting a lot of shit, but hopefully it will help someone out there. <laughs> yeah, so I know you're going to be playing against way more Rams, right? You got to learn that matchup. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Guilty gear. Like, oh my God, don't get me started. <laughs> and and by the way, I love the sticky note thing. That is such like a designer thing. My my, is, my girlfriend, yeah. she's a she's a designer too. She's an industrial designer. So mm. she has like sticky notes everywhere. And that's like how she thinks and how she sees things. She's a very tactical tactile person. Yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. It's it's it's, it's so it's, it's so much better visualizing something rather than keeping it all in here. If you visualize it, it's like, oh wow, that's this is this is all in my head at the moment. But if I get rid of all these little things now, then maybe I can get somewhere. That that was like how I dealt with um uh you know mental therapy as well. You know, I used to go therapy, you know, just 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 to talk and just because I used to have a lot on my mind as well, and uh, and that really helped me with my mental health. And I, it's, it's a little thing that I do, you know, just putting, visualizing things onto sticky notes or having a diary, you know, writing down your thoughts and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I got um, that one too. Yeah. Cause it, it's so good. Right. You know, because science, it's been scientifically proven that writing is, is a good form of therapy because when you are writing rather than tapping on the phone, it's so easy just to tap on the phone. You're going really rapid with your phones. Right. Yeah. But when you're writing, you are slowly processing those thoughts, you know, as you're writing, you know, you are taking the time to sort of understand what you're writing, you know, you're like writing these words. And while you're writing, you are slowing down your thoughts and you are putting it onto, you know, onto something that's tangible. So yeah. you know, you're having, and then you could really like paper. reflect on what you're seeing too, you know, after exactly, you're done. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And everything that you mentioned from, you know, breaking everything down into little chunks to, and then seeing measurable process, I mean, progress, right. It's what, um, yeah. uh, a business philosopher named Jim Rohn, that's what he says, you know, what gets measured gets done. Yeah. Right? yeah. So if you keep everything up in your head, it's all, it's, uh, it's almost like it's not real until you put it down and you see it slowly being chipped away. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, it, it's, it's such a great way to sort of, as you said, chip away on, on that overwhelming feeling of this thing that's casting over your head. Um, and just to visualize stuff, uh, you know, whether it be post-its or journal, 
it, it will really help. And as I said, um, just don't be afraid to make mistakes. You know, like even if you made one little mistake, you know, uh, of all these little post-its that you have, that's okay. You know what I mean? You can get through another, another 30, no, no, no issues. Okay. You made a mistake with one fine. I'll put it back up again and I'll, I'll deal with that later. You know, and that's, that's how I kind of go about it. It just makes it like so much more manageable, mm. much more manageable. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, by the way. Um, do you have any like shout outs before we end it? Any shout outs? Uh, yeah. Uh, whatever you want to say. It's all the floor is yours. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, I'm just going to just give a shout out to, um, you know, everyone that uh, to the design discord channel, the FGC design discord channel, all the designers that are, that follow me and also want to give a massive shout out to uh, URU uh, for giving me this uh, amazing platform um, to work in. Um, working with those guys and you know big shout out to the content creators the pros the staff um my design team um you know it's, it's, it's always a pleasure working with them and also uh yeah uh, i thank you for everyone that follows my content um and those who engage with my design content as well hopefully uh hopefully you you i'll keep you guys engaged um and hopefully you'll find something valuable um in this uh, little interview of mine <laughs> that's it yeah. really and where can people find yeah. you? Very last thing. Uh, it would be uh, UIU, UIU Shen on Twitter. So or Shen underline gaming underline UK. So you, you'll find me on Twitter. Or if you really want to like just follow my uh, my work, my design work on Instagram, then you can just uh, type in uh, Shen underline UI. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, man, for, for coming on. This has been a really fun talk. No, thank you for having me. Appreciate it, man. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. I love this content. I hope you all enjoyed listening to the story and learned a thing or two for yourself. If you're interested in following Shen, I'll leave all his links in the anchor description. And if you want to help support Hansei, then consider following us on YouTube and Twitter where you'll get updates for more content like this. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.